All right, guys, we got another amazing episode. Today we have Decap, the man, the legend himself. Yo, thank you guys for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, uh, dude, I'm already, I feel like we already gotten like five podcasts worth of conversation without shooting the shit this morning. We should have been recording all of that. Yeah. Even just now, yeah. a second ago. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know Decap, he's a super well-respected producer. Uh, he created Drums That Knock, which has been a best-selling uh, sample pack on Splice for quite a while. It's been used by a bunch of big names and has had a bunch of uh, production credits. So you want to talk a little bit more? Yeah, um, so as far as production credits, I've done stuff for like The Baby, Joyner Lucas, um, Drums and Knocks been used pretty much everywhere, top 40 records. It's been amazing to like go on Spotify and hear my stuff being used. Um, I've heard it on like uh, Meek Mill, Eminem, Logic, Madonna, it's been wild. Beyonce. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, how'd you get started with doing sample packs? So what's crazy is um, I've always been a producer. Like, that's my main, my main thing. But back in 2016, I, I just realized that, like, drums weren't, like, hitting the way I wanted them to hit. Mm -hmm. um, so I just felt there was, like, a hole in the market for that. I wanted, like, just I, <coughs> I wanted something someone could load up and just off the bat it would just smack. So mm -hmm. I used some of my techniques to get it to hit hard put it out there and I didn't expect it to like pop off or anything, but it just started kind of taking off. That's crazy. So. Did you notice that back in the day people were really greedy and now people are yeah. sharing shit a lot more because before it was like, Oh, I don't want to share my secret cake drum. Even though I've been like that yeah, five, same. six years ago, you know, back in the day it was like, you know, <laughs> a lot of it was done like, you know, on people used to sample off like vinyl records. Mm -hmm. Like you'd hear like an earth, wind and fire snare and you take that and use it. And then that's like my snare because I found that snare. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's just the game isn't like that. Everyone's sharing. Um, it's just way more open, way more free. Everyone helping each other. So I like seeing the game this way. Even sound design was like that, especially yeah. when we were when Simax was first coming out. That's people, what helped really? us so much. Just EDM specifically, people were like, "Oh, I don't want to share my my dubstep bases or my trap leads and stuff." At, and Serum, they didn't right. want to share their presets. And now it's like. How many serum packs are out? Fucking yeah. <laughs> ten thousand of them. Do you guys think that's cool, or do you think it waters oh, it down? It. I yeah. think it's awesome. I mean, yeah, it, right. in a way, I think it pushes it forward. If anything, because it's right. not going to water it down, because it's just going to make the good people have to do more shit. You know, get yeah, better. It helps everyone step their game up too. Because mm -hmm. if I hear like someone sharing this crazy sound, I'm like, oh man, that's crazy. Now I'm going to try to innovate. Even more, like exactly. we push each other. Exactly. To, or even sometimes, well, like we were talking earlier, like people don't want to just even share what they're up to. You right. know, even from business perspective, sharing different ideas and stuff because right. it's just like, fuck it. it there, there's it, it's one person's success is never going to like take away. You know what I'm saying? That's what I was totally. saying earlier. We never think that there's no competition because like we can just help each other out and both do better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're how you're twisting your compressor is some kind of major thing to your career, then you're <laughs> fucked already too. Like, <laughs> like you're done four to one. The, yeah. No, I do four to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw I saw like somebody was interviewing some producer that releases sample packs. Yep. They're like, "How do you process your drums or 808s?" And he's like, "Oh, it's some it's a secret compressor outboard compressor I use, but I can't talk about it." And I'm like, "Why does nah, it fucking matter?" That's, that's old school. Like, yeah. I, I put all my stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like, just yeah. give it away. Do you do like YouTube tutorials? I do. Yeah. Oh, awesome! I gotta yep. check those out. I got my own page. Oh yep. shit! I gotta check those out. Um, you want to talk about some like uh, techniques used for kick drums? Sure. Um, so when I'm doing kick drums, it depends on the track for one. Um, one thing that I think is underrated is one thing that makes the kick sit really well in the track is when it's in the same key as the sample or the same key as the melody. 
when um, when the kick's in a different key, like a lot of times it'll be off and you won't know why. It'll be like, oh, that's not the right kick sample. Sometimes by just tuning it, it just sounds infinitely mm -hmm. better, like right off the bat. What about like plugins you use on kicks? Plugins I use on kicks. So to make my kicks, a lot of my kicks are made in Operator in Ableton. And I'll just use a sine wave with like a pitch envelope to, yeah. to like actually design the kick. Um, one of the first things I did to, and I noticed it hit super hard, was I used um, the glue compressor in Ableton. Um, it has like a soft clip mode, so mm -hmm. you can like drive a kick through it, yeah, and it soft it, yeah. clips the kick. Um, that was like the first one I found, and since then I've like tested a whole bunch of ones, analog hardware, software. But the soft clipper is crazy because it, it, it made it sound so analog and warm, and mm -hmm. all, all it was doing was soft clipping it. Um, I know Fruity Loops has a similar one, the soft clipper and Fruity Loops. Yeah, so. everybody loves that thing. Yeah. That's pretty much everybody that comes on here's favorite plugin. And I, I just want to debunk something real quick. Everyone says like FL has a certain punch to it. It's actually not true. I tested it. It's not true. <laughs> Ableton and FL are the same. It's just they don't have the same plugins on, yeah. the, on the master. Mm -hmm. um, Ableton, if you like, I, I figured this out early. If you use soft clipper, I mean, if you use glue compressor in Ableton, it does the same exact stuff as soft clipper. Mm -hmm. I feel like, at least for me, I can overdrive Ableton a lot more on the master totally. personally. Like, I mean, I'll fucking let shit go way over in the red and it sounds fine. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> do you do that too ever? Yeah, a or lot of times. Stuff? You know, it, it changes. Like, um, I heard some, I was at NAM the other day and some, and I was listening to an engineer. He explained it well. He said, I work with the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So like zero decibels is our ceiling as a producer. So if you engage with that ceiling, um, the ceiling will talk back. Mm -hmm. So if you're driving stuff into the ceiling, the ceiling says, well, this is the limit. We can't go any louder. But the resistance you get is that clip sound or mm -hmm. whatever it is. So I feel like part of the art of like making tracks can be working with the ceiling. A lot of people say mix it like negative six. And I think there's some truth to that because... Some of the like old vintage plugins are meant um, for you to work like at lower volumes, mm -hmm. but I feel like in general there's just no rules. Like you can drive things how they're not supposed to be driven. You can mess with the ceiling, um, anything to get you that sound you want. And there's a lot of producers out there now. Their whole sound is them interacting with like levels of distortion, like how hard they mm -hmm. hit the sound, yeah, like, for sure, into the ceiling. So. Um, how do you like mixing your kicks and AOAs together? Because a lot of people say compress or sidechain versus no sidechain. What do you like to do? It depends. I mean, sometimes like when you have an 808 and a kick, they can clash. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that clashing is good. Like a lot of hip hop records, there will be a kick in an 808 and it just sounds good for that second it clashes. Sometimes if you don't want that, you can put like a compressor and like sidechain it. So like when the kick hits, the 808 ducks down. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's super underrated is you can build the kick into the 808. So when you're designing an 808, um, that first transient is the kick, mm -hmm. and the 808 plays off of it. So it's like one thing. You're not trying to mix two different things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what I do. I just switch it up depending on what it needs. Right. Um, what about getting like so, like your 808s to actually hit on like phone speakers? Because that's really hard for most people. Or laptops. Yeah, right. laptops, phones, whatever, small speakers. Well, that's like a big part of how I do my drums. Like I want when some, like for one, I want when someone loads it up into their DAW, it's just hitting right off the bat. Uh -huh. um, 
phones don't play like low frequencies, like anything below, I don't know, like a hundred something, like mm -hmm. 170 maybe. Um, so a lot of my work is done on like the top end. Like you want to hit the high frequencies in the mids and to get that sound, it's really the saturation. It's the way it's clipping. Um, so like I might use an Ableton saturator. I might use a certain EQ and boost up that band. Um, it might go through like some analog gear that hits the saturation. Like there's this rack called the culture vulture or the distressor. Like you can pretty much anything, honestly, like anything, um, anything that works. I just try a bunch of different shit. Do you notice a difference between analog and uh, software? Yeah, it's different for sure. Um, it's not always better depending on what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, I do notice a difference. Because have you tried like anything like a side-by-side -side test of like a distressor, like you just said, with the actual distressor versus plugins? I never have like gone that deep with it. I've seen people do it, but I've never actually tested it. I just know like after I go to the studio, like after I book studio time and mm -hmm. like record stuff, it is different. Like the SSL, like I did a bunch of stuff through the SSL, um, it wasn't the 9000. I can't remember which one it was. I did the 4000 and then the duality. And the G-Bus compressor, it just sounds different. You know, it has like a different tone to it. Mm -hmm. Hard to explain. And also as you're adjusting it, it's hands-on. So you're not dragging a mouse or looking at meters necessarily. You're just tweaking it by hand. I found that helps me so much, man. Since yeah. I've gotten more into the analog stuff, it's so much easier for me. Right. How long have you been uh, into production? Because you've been doing it a while. Man, right? a long time. Since... I would say like since I was in like ninth grade. He said he was using yeah. the, the four track recorders, but for real. Not like yeah. doing it for the sound, but I had doing the task it. Cam, I had the Tascam Porta 2 back in the day. <laughs> and it wasn't for sound. Like we just didn't like get into computers yet. Yeah. What, so. what got crazy. you into it? Um, so I was in a rap group back when I was in like ninth grade. And we needed beats. So I bought a drum machine, the four track a tape deck to mix down. So like now we just hit render, but back then it was like we had four tracks and they'd go into another tape. Mm -hmm. So there was a layer of hiss like on everything. Yeah, and then if you yeah. if you run out of tracks, you got to like go back, record yeah. it, record into one that track. back in, but then you get another layer of hiss from that. It's exactly. fucking ridiculous. Oh, was, all my old demos <laughs> sound like that. Like, but they probably <laughs> sound fucking awesome though because of that. Yeah, it's got that I wanna, vintage Dude, feel. I want to hear them. Do you have like tapes? I have all, everything I've ever done. Bro, I wish I did. I've been talking <laughs> about that. I wish I had all my old shit. That's awesome. I want to check them out. That's fucking cool. You got to show me some tapes. I will. <laughs> what, what, uh, what helped you kind of start going to that next level? Because, I mean, you've been on a long production journey. Like, right. What, what kind of things kind of stepped you to or helped you get to where you are today? Man, that's a really good question, and I probably wouldn't know how to answer it, like, because there's so many factors, you know what I mean? Like, I think the love for it has kept me through, like, helped me see it through. Mm -hmm. um, like, I would say, you know, I took a break from music completely. Like, I, I worked and, you know, just got better and better through the years, and then around, like, 2009, I took a break. And it was kind of like, for me, I experienced it like... I want to study like spirituality and understand just life outside of what I've made in my life at the point, at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was more like a, you know, I'd say a journey to kind of find myself. Um, and then I came back into music like a year or two later and I just felt like I had a renewed vision, renewed purpose. Um, 
So from that point, I just got more clear. Like I knew that there was no plan B. Um, I was just going to fully go for it and fully just, this is my life now. Like I'm a producer. I'm an entrepreneur. There's no plan B and this is what I'm doing. So I think with that mind state, it kind of held me in place that, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And so then like every meeting I had, every encounter, every situation was all for that purpose. That's dope. Yeah. Do you have any like lifestyle stuff you do day to day that helps you? I do. Um, you know, it changes. Like I, there's been times when I meditate every day. Lately, it hasn't been as much. But um, I, I like to do breathing exercises, grounding exercises. What kind of meditation? You know, people have different types they do, but I just would close my eyes and sit on the couch and just breathe. Focus on your breath? Focus on my breath. Yep. It's so hard to stay present in the moment. Yeah. So without letting your mind just wander off and I just mean, sit there. You really can't. Like most of the time you're not. Like when you're met, when you start meditating, like you're going to have tons of thoughts come in. Um, that's just part of it now for me. Like people say, oh, I'm not good at meditating, but there's no way to be good at it because, you know, the ego is the ego. The mind is the mind. It's always going to be thinking. But if you focus on breathing, you just keep coming back to that moment. And then I think you hit a point where you just kind of, you're just in a new space, a new frequency. Um, so I think you get to that point, but I don't think anyone should expect that they have to be good at it. There's no good. Yeah, like, I, nobody can be good. Has that helped you with your music, getting into the spiritual side definitely, of things? Definitely. How so? Um, well, I think that, and you guys can probably attest to this, but I think like the biggest thing, the, the hardest thing to do sometimes with our world the way it is today is just focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. And things like meditation, things like breathing, um, just paying attention, like they all help you focus. And when you can focus on something, you can really go far with it. So mm -hmm. I think that that helps a lot with music. Yeah. And it just helps you hear more too. Like a lot of times when you meditate, you have more perspective. Like you can see beyond that moment. Um, so I definitely feel like meditation's a big part of it. I gotta get back into it. I used to I used to be kinda into it, now I'm yeah. like, damn, I gotta get back focused. It goes like this for me. Sometimes I won't do it for a couple months and then I'll be like, Oh, I should be doing that. And like times like right now when I haven't been doing it much, um, what I've done in the past to get back into it is I'll set my timer on my phone for like three minutes. And I'll be like, I need to meditate for three minutes. And then nine to all the time, every single time you want to keep going because you get in a stride, but you never want to start. You're always like, no, I should be doing something else. I should be productive. Not realizing that that meditation is going to make you five times more productive. I've been doing that in general lately with any task. Like I'm going to do it for 10 minutes, even if I don't feel like doing it. And almost every time I finish it, it works every time. Yeah. That's um, awesome. How do you start tracks? Like when you start something, is it drums? Is it melodies or just whatever? I just, I did a, um, Instagram post on this I said what do you guys do do you guys start with because uh, a lot of people that follow me are producers um, do you guys start with drums or melody first and I'd say 80% of people start with melody mm -hmm. I'm just one of that 20% that does the drums first that's interesting almost all the time it's <laughs> drums and it's always been that way since I started that's interesting I do that, it sometimes randomly yeah. but it's usually if I'm like building something for a loop or something then I'll be like oh this is hard I'm gonna keep working on this you know but there is a thing that happens, like I'm, I might do a pattern and then come up with a melody after and it doesn't quite work together. Mm -hmm. I'll change the drums after that. 
That makes sense. But it's drums first, and most people have other way, but that's my way. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think the melodies it's just like the drums kind of pop into your head, but I feel like you're I mean, your drums at knock. You, you have to start with drums. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> got to. I got to. Well, so what makes you stick on the experimental side of your music? Kind of like weird, wonky, like heavy heavy beats. It's just what I like. It's it's um it's what I enjoy doing. Um, I used to like when I when I started producing, it was like all about placements and like I want to make stuff to kind of fit in the box that's already out there. Mm-hmm. It just ain't my thing anymore. Now it's about just making the music I want to make, and even if it doesn't get placed or whatever, I don't care because I have my brand built where I can just release it. It's my music. Mm-hmm. I'm not even giving a cut to someone else like I'm putting out the stuff I want to make with that said there's a lot of artists that are now hearing it they're like yo we want that different sound everyone's making the same kind of beats anyway so I think it just kind of puts people ahead when they do the stuff they really want to do because their heart and soul is in it as opposed to trying to make something that fits like oh this is what hip-hop should sound like or whatever it's just never been my thing do you make your beats like less complex if you're producing for somebody so um, they have room to kind of create more on top of it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I may, I have a couple, like I'll put out experimental stuff. Um, kind of like I, I have an EP that's coming out this week. And that has a lot of my more experimental stuff that I, that I worked on or collabed on. Um, when I'm producing for an artist, a lot of times it'll be very simple. And a lot of my beats in general are very simple. Like, and another like mixing tip. Like producers would be like, how do you get your stuff to sound so clean? I just keep it empty, a mm-hmm. lot of space, because it gives every element a chance to um, to shine in the mix. So like a lot of times, um, yeah, my stuff is very simple, for sure. I actually prefer simple beats. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, how do you go about getting swing on your stuff? Because your stuff is always so swingy. Um, so some of my tracks, like... In Ableton, there's this thing, in Ableton 10, there's this thing called capture. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like literally just play a drum beat and then hit capture. And then it just, it'll just load whatever. What do you did. play it on? Like a MIDI or something? Just on the push oh, cool. or on a MIDI keyboard or something. So you're actually playing stuff in? You don't like draw stuff in by hand usually? Well, that's one, like for the boom bap kind of swingy mm-hmm. stuff, I'll play it. But for more like, I guess you call it trap type stuff, um, there's different things you can do. One thing is... Like when you have a hi-hat, if you draw on a hi-hat pattern, it's like right on the grid. If you have a kick and a snare and you move the hi-hat, the whole pattern over like 50 milliseconds, it's going to give it like a certain bounce. And then you can start playing with the kick and snare placement just to get it to bounce right. So I move things by hand like when I'm going for like that trap swing. For sure. Cool. Do you ever play live? Yeah, I I do live shows sometimes. Like lately, it's been more studio stuff. A lot of people are hitting me up like, "When are you coming on tour? When are you coming Dude, on city?" Dude, I was listening well, to your stuff like... this morning, and I was like, "Damn, this is like some Mr. Carmack type bangers." Well, that's almost. what I'm thinking. It was like, homie, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've done. We got a track. Oh, too. dude, I gotta hear we get, that, man. Well, we don't. We didn't put it out. I actually hit him up. <laughs> Uh, I wanted it to make this EP, but we didn't get in touch in time. So. Oh, okay, yeah. But it'll probably be on that his sounds, next album. That sounds fucking awesome, man. Uh, but to answer the question. Um, I, there's a lot of people who are in my space who, who do live shows. I need to really do more of it, but I've been so busy with studios. I'm just saying because your music would go off, you know what I'm saying? I think That's so. What, yeah. yeah, I think it really would. Especially I in Atlanta, I could see it fucking crushing it in our scene. It's just, 
it's definitely got like a little bit of the southern sound, but then it's just like swing so hard. Dude, I, I, I wish you were here for our showcase night, cause then oh, dude. <laughs> come out of nowhere, cause you'll shit on dude. the. <laughs> cause oh, dude, we do, uh, yeah, we do these like live showcase nights where we people can go up and just like play their music off their phone now and for like three minutes. So oh, that's dope. But yeah, yeah I, next time we do one, you gotta come come play your stuff. Yeah, I, I probably want to hear some of the guys' stuff, cause I'm always looking for people for like my my label and stuff, like Future Knock. Dude, like, there's random people yeah. that come there. Like it's usually like man. two to three people per night or like one that just really sticks like out really good you know, like I, whoa this guy is insane i love going to showcases like um and just watching like the experimental producers do mm -hmm. their thing like there's some crazy stuff yeah. and i end up working with a lot of guys like that too. yeah, yeah. people don't realize like live event stuff if somebody's hosting an event like get connected wise right it's like one of the best things man it's wild man yeah do you have any uh like creative plugins you use like i'm trying to think of an example like uh Shaper box or something like that, filter shaper, stuff like that. I just bought Shaper box two days ago. Do you like it so far? I haven't even tried it yet. I fucking love it. Halftime is fire. Oh, of dude. Course, I, I mean, halftime's on everything. Right. I like the real halftime, the tape halftime where you put it in half yeah. speed. That's the yep, real sauce. That right is there. the real the real deal. <laughs> um, what about like compressors? Um, so I just got UAD. So mm -hmm. I've been using like on vocals, I love the distressor. Mm -hmm. um, the Vox box is great. Um, CL1B. Um, in production, a lot of times when I'm making tracks like in Ableton, glue compressor. Yeah, man. I just love the glue compressor. So you just like using stock a lot of the time? Ableton, like most <coughs> of my workflow is stock because they're just so good. I know. Have so you tried creative. the channel EQ yet? Yeah. I love that thing. That's yeah, good. Yeah, Reed showed it to me the other day and I was like, holy shit. This it's is just amazing. a little more simple, right? Yeah. yeah. It's and, But the high shelf just sounds like really clean on it. It's really nice. Right. So, so how'd you get the, um, just out of curiosity, uh, the DaBaby placement? So the DaBaby placement happened, I was um, working with this producer, Avidon, out of LA, who he works with like Scott Swartz and uh, tons of people. He's killing it right now. And um, we made a beat together that um, ended up on a record by Doobie. And they put it out. And then one day I was just eating lunch or something. Avidon texted me like, yo, the baby's jumping on the remix. I was like, amazing. And then it came out. So that's, that's how it happened. Awesome. Have you ever been in contact with him at all? I've never, nope, never talked to him. It just, I just have a placement with him. Dude, I could see, definitely see him on a lot of your stuff with yeah. the short 808s and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been kind of his sound lately. I would love to do some stuff with the baby. The baby, if you're watching, like, hit me up. <laughs> We're yeah. trying to get him on here, actually. We, we got in contact with his manager one time, but just the timing didn't work out. But they were down to get on here because they'll just do fucking anything. They're just, oh, okay. yeah, they'll yeah. do any press. They're fucking, they're hustlers, man. But also, the baby is, the baby well, is. Well, that's moving. why he's doing so well right now dude he's killing yeah. it man and like the past what year year and a half he also kind of shows that you don't have to be a fucking 17 year old to be a big how rapper is, now. How old is he? Yeah. he's like 26 27 something oh, like really that. yeah he's him, not man. he's yeah. not like he's he been have, hustling for like 10 years though on his project but he also doesn't new. have the crazy look like the other people yeah exactly like, like it i mean he does have like face tats and stuff but not as obvious it doesn't but, yeah. feel like but that. his personality is so huge like, oh, he's yeah. just such a he seems Enigma. like just someone you remember you know? oh yeah for sure yeah, he's, he's a star yeah for sure um there's certain people with that Two Chain said he knew that he had that when he yep. was younger. He like knew that when he walked in a room, people just gathered around. He's him. got magnetism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's super interesting. Plus, guys like DaBaby fucking dominate Instagram. Right. Like, think about how much attention that dude gets on. Especially when he's basis. beating people's asses on a regular <laughs> basis. 
Cam Coldheart. <laughs> Dude, when he when he got in the fight in the Louis store was like the funniest shit I've ever seen. I think that was like a DJ Khaled on his jet ski moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's what like that was. Like a big, changer. like yeah. just now, no, he got big off that. Another one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was like a big thing. Um, how do you like to get your mix loud? Like your final mix? Is there any kind of like mastering that you do within? So <clears throat> I mix as I go, really. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I have some tutorials about this on my channel. Yeah, like I gotta I show, check these out. Like, I didn't even know you had tutorials. I, but you know, I really just do it as I go. Like, I, I try to like. For me, it's about like what I think is the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Like, I try to get everything in that sweet spot, and I like when stuff's a little bit crunchy and a little bit crushed. Like it, it always just feels right to me. So I mix as I go. Like the track has to be hitting while I'm making it. In order for it to have impact, it can't be all quiet. When I mean, I'm dude, it, that's you know? the other thing is yeah. you can't even work on it. I feel like it's not getting you excited if it's all fucking exactly sounds like shit. Like I can't. I, I've tried mixing how the engineers say to do it. Negative six. I mean, first of all, Ableton, you got like sixty-one decibels of headroom, oh, so you don't need to mix at negative six, mm-hmm. really. I mean, especially if you're just, I don't know. I, I just, I like to mix loud. You so, just, yeah, you just don't like thinking about it. That's how yeah. I am. If you know, it's kind of, it's not even knowing what you're doing. It's like knowing how to just make sound stuff sound good. Exactly. Uh, do you find like when you go into real studios, you kind of like, it's hard. You got to mess with the gain staging and stuff a little bit more to be careful. No, nah, I mean, I just kind of do things my way all the time. Yeah. Like when I'm in the studio, I'll like... I actually just learned Pro Tools like a couple months ago. Yeah, so I saw that. I'm, I'm trying to get into it too. but So I've never been able... And part of the reason I learned it is because I, I'm not... I like to be in control. I'm a producer, so I like to be in control of the whole process. Mm-hmm. I don't like just making the beat or, or just letting an engineer take care of it. Like, I kind of know how I want stuff to sound. So whether it's correct or not, I don't know. But it's me and it's what I like. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in the studio, I want to be able to understand what the engineer is doing so i could i could you know take over in a moment if it's necessary you know what i mean so that's why i learned pro tools and i think it's a good thing to learn for that reason um so when i'm in the studio like when i'm doing when i did drums and knock eight um all that was run through the ssl duality and it was experimental like i sat in the seat i had ableton on the main computer and the ssl running through uh ableton so I'd clip stuff on the SSL. I would compress stuff on it. There was no like gain stage, and I was just like, "Does it sound good?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm keeping it. You know. I mean, that's how it's got to be sometimes. Honestly, man. Totally. Um, what are we at on time, Jordan? Oh, sweet. What 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 kind of uh, stuff do you like to do to create your melodies? Do you like to design all your sound from scratch? Or are you like uh, using samples, resampling stuff? Yeah, man. It depends. Like. Um, I like recording, I like recording, like, I might record a note from, like, a kalimba, mm-hmm. or, like, um, sometimes I might just load up Omnisphere and just start playing and not even design anything and just, you know, just try some stuff. Um, a lot of times when I'm in the, like, I have a couple different mindsets when I go into production. Like, one way I approach it is I'll, I'll just be making a track, and normally I'll load up sounds I already made and, like, just create with it. Um, other approaches, sound design, where I'll like, I'll be like, okay, today I'm going to make kick snares, hi-hats, mm-hmm. um, melodies, and, you know, sound design leads. I find that, um, when I'm making tracks, like for artists, for example, or just making a beat, like a lot of times I'm not doing a ton of sound design. I just load stuff I've already done. Mm-hmm. 
So I have like kind of two approaches to it. Do you work with artists a lot like in the studio or is it usually online? Um, there's a little bit of both. Like sometimes it's online, but I actually prefer when artists come to my spot and we, we record. Do you, wait, did you say you have a home studio or is it a place? I have a studio in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. So is it like a, it's like a studio you go to? And, yeah. Okay, so cool. So you yeah. paid 50 grand a month? <laughs> SF rent. Man. For a closet. For a closet. <laughs> it's crazy. That's yeah, I, I'm in SF now, but I'm, I'm also going to be in LA too. What part are you in? Uh, I, so I live in North Beach in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm I'm gonna be moving out to LA because all my connections are in LA. Like San Francisco, I love working there because it's just so it's a beautiful place. But LA is like where everyone I know in the industry is. We were yeah. talking about getting like a shared second house out there. Why not? Because I mean, dude, it's every time we go out there, we get like five or six podcasts done in two days. It's crazy. I mean, you come out here and it's like peaceful. You have land and go out there and just grind. It's like. Dude, it is. It's it feel it's stressful being out there. New York's probably even worse. New York is. I'm the like worst. these motherfuckers do not stop. Yeah. Like they're just everybody's just walking all the time. It's like you're constantly shit. at Six Flags. That's literally <laughs> how I feel. Yeah. Like, just can't ever cool it, you know. It's true. New York, like it's nice to visit there because it, it gets you in that grind mode. Like mm-hmm. you're ready to go. No, that's how I always feel. But after a week or two, it's like, all right, I'm good. Like, <laughs> so, all love to New York. It feels like home there. Yeah, so, so I got a question about drums that knock. Yeah. So did it like did the success of that pack, that sample pack upload, like was that a surprise to you, or like what was the process of uploading the, the first one? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when I uploaded the first pack, my thought was if, because I have you know a lot of producers that I'm friends with in the in the industry and stuff. I'm like if they use it and if they want to purchase it, I would be happy. You know, just just to have some some producers I respect use it. But it kind of started popping off, like when I put it out there. Like it just, there was something about it that people resonated with, and it turned from being like just a product I put out to being like a serious line of business to the point where like the kit's doing really well, and um, I don't have any longer have to do things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, the thing about the industry, and something I want to talk about too, is like a lot of times you'll be faced with situations that like in my early days, I had to do certain stuff for money because I decided this was going to be my career, but you do some of these things. And for one, it's not really the work you want to do, or it might not even be as much money as you want. And you have to almost like suck it up, suck it up and do it. So I doing drum kits is something I love. It's like, I'm giving back to producers, giving them a sound that, they can love and, you know, stepping up their game. And also for me, it's like, it's success has allowed me so I don't have to do stuff I don't want to do. I can just keep giving back. Mm -hmm. And that's you guys' whole model. Like, Mm -hmm. you guys' model is we're going to give incredible amounts of value, royalty-free samples that are just amazing. Like, I, I think that the new wave is, like, just giving value. Like, whether it be just... No, what did you say? You, when we were talking earlier, you said no um, limited mindsets, like no um, no limited thinking, like just expansion. No defense. No defense. That's yeah. what it is. All offense. Yeah. I love that. Like for example, sitting there looking and worrying about like torrents or like, right. oh, we gotta we gotta stop people from doing whatever this or that. It's just right. like like I'm sh- I'm sure 
our sounds are being sold by other people snuck into people, their packs. People but, message me every single day like, hey, is this guy's selling your packs for whatever. I'm like, dude, right. if somebody doesn't want to appreciate all the stuff we do and buy it, they're probably not going to pay us anyways. Like, who the fuck cares? Right. I mean, support good sounds. Yeah. Like, if the sounds are good and obviously people are putting in work, like, buy the sounds. But, I mean... But at the same time, when I started out, (laughs) I wasn't doing that. If you're making money from your craft, you should definitely be buying buying it 100%. But But you got to start somewhere. I get it. Yeah, for sure. I had to start somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And how many have you released since? So we're up to eight. Eight. Drums and Knock, eight. Yeah, that's fucking awesome, man. Thank you. What would you recommend somebody if they wanted to make their own sample pack? Like, what, what do you start with? Um... The thing that I like if if a producer wants to make their own sample pack, I would say the biggest and I want to start it by saying the biggest issue with sample packs is people reusing stuff, mm-hmm. reusing the Lex Luger snare, mm-hmm. reusing the rack kick. What I recommend is if you want your stuff to stand and you can do that, but if you want your stuff to stand out, make your sound learn how to make sounds or yeah, learn how to make sounds and create all new sounds. Because that will give you the best chance of having something original. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my mm-hmm. thought. Make it original. And that's how you'll stand out. Because everyone has a pack nowadays. But not I mean, all of yeah. them do well. Yeah, it's crazy how many people does. are diving into it. Like, yeah. well, I don't know. I just wouldn't expect like so many even like mainstream people kind of hopping in and putting out packs and whatnot. I remember back in the day, um, one of the first people I ever saw do a sample pack is this guy named Croup. From uh, the, I think he's from the Netherlands. But I, I just want to give him a shout out because... He actually was the one that inspired me to do sample packs. This was like in the, the early 2000s. And his sample pack is still legendary to this day. That's so he's insane. one of the first people. And also um, another guy who's crazy on the drums who did some crazy sample packs. I don't even think he ever put them out, but we used to trade. Uh, M Phases, two crazy sample guys. Dude, one of the yeah. uh, on Reddit, one of the first things that popped off for me and Drew, we literally went to Walmart with this thing and just recorded like random fucking people like that sounds. Shit, though, people yeah. loved it, you yeah. know, to use it like foley sounds and shit. That's it's literally one of these guys. And fucking, that's dope. Found got, sound stuff is actually really good, and you can actually make that stuff pretty unique. You just got to spend some time, right? Or go out, go out in nature, record some birds, something, something to not just reuse some random kicks or some shit. Totally, like that's another thing. Pick up an H four N or H five or whatever, and just start recording stuff. Play around, try shit, synthesis. So, what that. do you think the uh, future is for the sample pack industry? It's funny. What's the future for the sample pack industry? I think producers are going to always need sounds. Um, I just think that with all the people putting out packs, only the really good ones are going to mm-hmm. are going to stay in the forefront. Like you guys with Viper, like you guys are bringing real musicians, like really taking your time with shit, marketing it correctly. I think there's going to be more innovation. There already is. Like, That's all. I feel pre- I feel pressure to keep stepping them up and keep right. buying new gear and learning new techniques. Like I'm not like gonna be like okay we can just do the same shit we've always done at right. this point for sure i mean that's why you guys are gonna be successful because you're not comfortable and like when i wake up every day i'm thinking like how can i be better mm-hmm. how can i improve something about this so always like for guys doing sample packs always think about how you can be better than yesterday how can you make better sounds mm-hmm. keep practicing keep thinking about new ideas because i mean it's there's unlimited potential for creativity. So definitely. Do you have any mics you like using? Um, so I have, um, 
the what I do a lot of my stuff with is the Verge uh, Antelope Audio Verge XY pair. Mm-hmm. I have they're just two. Uh, I think it's called a shotgun mic, mm-hmm. and I just do an XY pattern with it. And the reason I do that is because when you have two mics like this, um, and you record like a shaker, it's going to record part of it on the left, part of it on the right. Um, so it just gives it that stereo feel without you having to use like an imager. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Sometimes I just use, I have a, um, an edge mic by Antelope. It's like a, somewhere to like the Slate VMS. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did a lot of stuff on the H5. So Yeah, it's pretty good. I think um, it's more about how you mix it and how you add the effects than the mic itself, even though the mic can give you a good sound to start with, good source material. Yeah, I've been trying to experiment more with them or like even doing like, doing like xy miking on the top for say like a dim bay or something like that and then on the bottom having another mic to pick up the low end so you get like a way fuller sample that's been helping me a lot lately um all right uh do we want to do we want to wrap it up here pretty soon and then go into a bonus round because uh yeah we can do that i'm trying to think if there's anything else saucy um, are we continuing the Spotify bonus round, or are we are we not doing that? If you, we can just keep the actual episode going too, if you want. I like to just keep the episode okay, going. What's the Spotify that. bonus? We'll round. just we'll try so to send people over to Spotify and sound just by off. giving them an exclusive. I think it's kind of minutes. a pain in the ass. Okay, so I'm gotcha. sorry, guys. it's just a little bit of a pain in the I'm ass. I'm sorry, guys, for making gotcha. you guys. No, go we'll over still there. give it to them. They'll just get yeah. it get it here. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. But we've been making people jump over for like five extra minutes or something. You but. know, you know, you you've done an impressive job for just being like a solo sample creator. Thank you, man. And the amount of success. Do you you've have gotten. like a, like a bunch of people working for you at all or anything? As or of now, no, no, it's all me. I'm doing all the stuff. Wait, you're like Reed. You guys are you guys are maniacs. I I would lose my mind if I had to do, had everything. To do everything. He was just we were just talking about hiring and stuff. I'm like, bro, it's time to hire. It's been yeah. time to hire. <laughs> that's, that's the next move. Because <laughs> it's like cymatics. Yeah. We got a, we got a lot of people helping us. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot right. of me and Drew. We got a lot of management to, to take care of all kinds of shit. So like you know, part of it is there's so many producers out there. Like drums at knock kind of like helped influence like. Just my curation, like there's so many producers coming out with like hard hitting stuff now. Mm-hmm. So I started something called Future Knock, um, which is just like a collection of producers just with crazy beats. So right now I'm kind of planning like the next phase of Future Knock. Um, and just knock in general has become like almost a genre. So I'm trying to pivot and just find all the talented guys who who make this stuff, guys and gals, and start like a label type of thing. So that's something I've been thinking about getting into. Did your label do any live shows? Because that sounds like fucking awesome. Possibly. A live show of yeah. just knock stuff. I mean, that'll be fine. Dude, come yeah. to the show. I'll, I'll open you guys up a little spot the showcase night. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to book you for Dude, it. In LA, we want to do like, uh, I want to get like 500 people, you know, just packed out. It's Somatics cr- and knock. Yeah. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Let's it's rock. You get free little USB sample packs at the door. <laughs> we we do dope. that. Yeah, we actually do that. Yeah, you guys are always thinking ahead, man. I like I like just we're I like hanging to, out with you guys and just hearing like we're trying to do new shit like every yeah. day, man. It's it's kind of overwhelming sometimes. Sometimes we have to be like, okay, we gotta take a step back and stop some of these projects temporarily so we can 
yeah, actually crazy handled. shit going on. Because we had right. to, we've had so much stuff recently where we've had to take a step back and be like, okay, well, let's right. pick out a few important things like events, All, packs. Stuff also, like, like what happens when you're in a, like too innovative minds. Mm-hmm. We're we're not afraid to take something, a project we've been working on, and just completely slice it in half and say fuck it and just cut okay. it because like you have to say no to shit to totally. get to the important shit. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Dude, one thing that'll probably help even some of the sample pack stuff is you're doing a lot of stuff that's probably interesting that you don't realize. A lot of the stuff that's made what we're doing, you know, kind of interesting is like as Drew's doing a lot of this stuff, it's like where's the story and then tell that story. Because like with dreams, with the vintage equipment or picking up the roads, like he talked about that. That was like it was super interesting viewpoint. But sometimes you're not you might not even be telling people the whole process about drums that knock and people want to hear about that. And sometimes if they hear that, they'll want to buy it more. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like what did you? What breakthrough was that that you did in the studio that you didn't mention? But if you tell people that story of man, I was up all night and fucking, and this was the key thing. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that can help. Also, you just a too. video guide to just document whatever you're doing. That's what we're trying to mm-hmm. find for my house is just somebody to follow me around day to day because we're missing smart. out on so much damn. Content. Dude, we had such a great conversation today that would popped off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're just sitting here. All we had to do I was know. turn on the fucking. I know. Press the button. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man. I just, I don't know. I just got so many good ideas just sitting down and talking to you. Like, I, I just started, like, a, a reminders list of, like, okay, that app, what? what? So much good <laughs> stuff. I just love hanging around with people who, who are in it and just, like, innovating every day. So, yeah. Dude, that, you also, yeah. you know a shit ton of people in the industry. Yeah. Like, how, how'd you get to know so many people? Just being around. And, you know, I mean, for one, um, just you go and shake hands with someone and all of a sudden they might hear your music and be like, wow, that's good. Or, um, that's one way. I think just over time, it just, you accumulate, you meet one new person every, uh, every month or something and and it just builds up. Yeah. It adds up. And then every person introduces you to somebody. Exactly. And then word of mouth. I, I think it just, over time it just builds. Um, that's how I think. I think Instagram DMs are underrated. I agree. <laughs> Too good. Yep. Yep. I use that shit so, fucking every day. Do you guys find that like one of the hardest parts about this is like, like there's no shortage of ideas, you know? Like I, I know, like we're always thinking of ideas. Mm-hmm. What's the next thing we can do? But it's like, how do you know what the right thing to do is? There's so many options Dude. and you have to like be a... Me and Drew literally have so many, so many hours of just conversation about problems and (laughs) like, like notebooks and pages of like, if you guys were to assess like the value of your notebook with all the ideas in it, like, oh, it'd be billions of dollars. It it, it would be like finding all the people to put into place to do every idea. Exactly. Well, so (laughs) something that me and Drew love talking about ideas, but we also like know like the stage. I think that's right. an important thing that a lot of people don't know. Like what stage are you in in your career? Right. And we, we know like there's certain things we're super excited about, but we know that might be a five years later type of play. You know right. what I'm saying? Like it's something that's like, okay, when we're at that stage, we're going right. to make this move. Well, you know it's good you guys know that because then you don't waste your energy on the wrong idea. And you, you focus on the idea that makes sense now. Dude, we were we had a bad problem with just chasing ideas, and we yeah. like, I mean, we went out to San Fran to get like try to get funding from investors, okay. try to do like a the startup route, and at one point we were like, because we thought that we didn't have enough money invested into our pro- like, and we, at one to point what we were, we were like, doing. This isn't even us though. This isn't right. like we're like, 
we're like creative people that started a company. We're not like VC tech right. founders. You, you don't know want to like I mean? sit in a room pitching with a suit and tie <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, like, like what no, are we we're doing? We're gonna... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but now the thing, it's funny because at that point we were reaching out to investors. Now we have big investors reach out to us and now we're like, well, we don't really want that now, but it's not even answering them. If you look at our yeah. email inbox, people think we're stupid for not responding yeah, back to half these people. I love the freedom too, man. I just love waking up and nobody's telling me what to do. Do whatever you feel like every day. I'm sure you feel it. Absolutely. And and, and also you're talking about, you know, how do you distinguish what's to do and what not to do? Right. Uh, Sometimes the way me and Drew look at sometimes even the smallest little task, even something as silly as us having fun playing ping pong can sprout ideas that'll seed straight through to something much, much bigger. But you can't see little in the moment. You can't see why that's important. You know what I'm saying? Right. And what, what me and Drew have realized is it's to not judge ourselves on little activities or things that we do because a lot of times they sprout into much bigger Even ideas. Even if it's video games or anything. Anything. Right. You it could know? be anything. Uh, uh, with Drew, it might be buying random equipment. You know, it might be no correlation to like how is this going to bring us back something, but then it might spark an idea. Like for like recently that led to the entire the vintage equipment and all that. Even which the is, sessions, they started as like, oh, I'm going to go on this gig salad site and try some random session musicians and see how it goes and i've met like so many good people through that like grammy nominated pianist all kinds of wow. stuff and it was just just me like oh well maybe, maybe. i could try some local musicians see what wow. i find and, and then also like our toronto studio is doing that now too andre is up there Yeah, we just started that. a new a studio in toronto it's pretty oh, nice yeah i heard you mention toronto earlier yeah so we got a studio up yeah, there. yeah i gotta go still. and check it out i haven't seen it yet but it's it's nice it's like a built-out studio it's some, got multiple rooms and yeah some, and some guy basically it sounded like a rich guy had like built out a studio as like a passion project and okay. then it sounds like his wife is like you got to do something with this shit <laughs> 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 something like that and but he it's like a probably probably spent 200 300 grand like it's fully soundproof the entire thing it has like three live rooms a vocal booth uh I mean, it's it's incredible. it was a good deal. It was yeah, a good good deal. good deal for Toronto prices too. It was like a guy that was like seemed like he needed to get rid of it, but we were like, "Fuck, we would <laughs> we would have dropped a hundred grand into building the shit anyway." Yeah, right, you know? right. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that. Congrats about that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's kind of weird to say we have an international studio, but apparently that's what it is now. That's what it is now. I'm, I'm about to I'm about <laughs> to go up there and check it we'll out, probably, see if it's probably, real. And we'll probably have one in L. A. in the future. I could definitely yeah. see L. A. because yep. there's so many people there, man. L. A. Yeah. I could also see like. Either in that or even at like a WeWork to have a smaller, like, you know, six person office. It's just right. a media team mm-hmm. that lives in LA because you know how easy it'd be. If, like, I don't have to be there to do that workshop thing we just did. Right. Theoretically, a we video could I could those, get it and we just could be pumping those every sh- day with people. Yeah, just shoot them over to us. Like, edit right. it. Like, so, like, that's some stuff we're trying to do long term. Right. But even shit like that, we know in our head we want to do it, but it's like, okay, what's like the first step? Right. You know, figure out how the fuck to hire some people here. Dude, first hi- hiring, bro. <laughs> good luck. You need to do it, but dude. It's funny. Even Gary B, we've asked him, and yep. he's like, it's hard. I don't yeah, know, man. It's, it's tough. Hard. Right. It's hard. I, I always imagine myself like doing it all. And it just, you it's, guys know, it's not possible. It's not. It's, yeah, not. it's not. I would. In my head, I do want to do that, but there's no fucking. Even way. if you have to throw away money, because you're going to have to throw away money to test people. You right. Know? Just. Fuck it, it's we gone. We fly them out here every time. Also, the in-person test. You can't just work with somebody online. You'll right. get around somebody for an hour and be like, holy shit. That ain't it. That ain't yeah. the one. You'll find it. You'll find out. We'll know, in five, we'll know in three minutes. Yeah. Five usually. seconds. You right. can tell very fast. It's interesting. Drew gives somebody right. a high five and he already knows. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more strict than Steve. All, no. I'll definitely like, if I notice yeah. anything that's off about somebody, I'll be like, okay, this guy probably isn't going to work. Right. But yeah, you got to be fast. About it kind of sucks man. because when you're running a company, you have to be more judgmental than humans should be. 
Right. You know, because like if we're hanging out with friends, we're not trying to be this judgmental about right. person's character, right, all this right, right. little nitpicky things. But when it comes to the culture of your company, right, and the building a team, because you got to know, it. you got to know like where it's going, and you have to have the right people for the right task, mm-hmm. and those people got to perform at a good level so they can move the whole operation forward, and then actually so, care about it, not just see it as a job. That's right. really hard to find too. Right. There's a lot of stuff. Are they doing shit when you're? when you're not telling them right. <laughs> or do you or always when have you're to not around do you have to be sitting around them and you'll have to like probably i'm guessing like would you guys find that you have to notice like over time like dude i'll know so fast yeah i know in five minutes yeah i swear to god well, well a couple yeah usually they, we do a they they test off-site just because i mean obviously the office at my house right now um while we're building out the other office but um when they come in you'll usually see it like okay. small things, like just right. little things, you'll just see it. How and they then, interact with other people, how right. stuff they say, what they, what kind of questions people ask is huge. Like, are you asking like how to get this computer to start up a program or something, or are you like you asking some shit you can Google, or are you yeah, asking me? That's right. a huge you thing. Like saying, I'm sure you yeah. see it in your messages right. when you get a certain All kind of time. question for somebody. Yeah. You're like, why are you asking me that? Like, it doesn't make you. Super how do I change your inte- my interface enabled? To yeah, exactly. it shows your intelligence level. Yeah, you know what I'm because. Saying? People that are asking those kind of questions and yeah, how good you can troubleshoot. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that pops up though. I mean, you know, like the thing is on, and anytime you want to know something, anytime I don't know something, I'll either hit up Google or YouTube. Mm -hmm. Everything is on there. So like, it's not efficient to DM me and ask me (laughs) how to change the sound card in Ableton (laughs) when you just Google it and there'll be a seven second clip on Google. I sometimes think people just want like an excuse to talk to you, but that's not a good one because like, It's not to be mean, but it's just yeah. like they gotta understand we have one or just time. basic yeah. ass questions. Somebody's yeah. like, uh, "Can I, can I?" He, somebody asked me something about the contest. The answer was no, so I just said nope, and I kept going. I was like, "What what interaction would, were you looking right. for there? That was meaningful." You know what I'm saying? And and another thing, like I think what a lot of people don't know when they DM me or you guys, like, and they send me a link to their music. Oh, that's ninety nine percent of the time I don't check it unless like I just have free time in that moment. But it's so rare. Like I I will tell people like most of the time I won't even accept a message if they're sending music. But even unless if you I do know check who it, they it's are, it's gonna be or... bad though. Even if you do check it, there's like a ninety percent no. Maybe it's maybe not. Ninety. I wouldn't know because I don't check it. No, <laughs> I have checked it. Ninety five percent. If people are sending out their music in 99. that method still, yep. it's usually person that hasn't quite figured it out yet well and i I just want to say like if anyone's watching this and they're thinking about should they send music to don't just don't do that like what i like is if somebody talks contextually like if i post something about like a new piece of gear i got or like a beat like let's have a conversation like like how's it going i I don't know just something interesting a normal human conversation you don't go up person i'm not like I don't have time to check everyone's beats, you know? Like, it kind of also just makes you feel like they're only hitting you up in order to get their music to you right. instead of, like, actually wanting to interact with you. Also, Let's just have a conversation yeah, with just exactly. people. Also, I'll answer yeah. people, though, all day if it's if it's Me actual too. conversation. Well, I talk with tons of people. In the when we do so. research, I mean, even, even right now, mm-hmm. at the level me and Drew are at, people, the chances of another influencer responding for sending a song link... Like, we do so much research a lot of times on somebody. So, like, for example, S1's coming on, but, like, yep. he has a book. So, like, hey, do, do you want us to get on the show to promote your book? Like, what is it that the other person's, like, if you do a little bit of homework, figure out what they're doing, and then figure out how you can value add to that 
right. release they it's have. It's never like, on. hey, can you help us? Uh, can you do this thing to help us get our How, thing out there or something like right. that? Right. That's Ch- never it. Peep my sample pack, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're, that's even value though. If we send yeah. them a sample pack, that's true. It's, at least it's something that they can use and it's not just a fucking like song or something. Another thing, going back to your question about sample packs, like when I first put out the drums are not kit. Mm-hmm. Like I was giving it out to a lot of producers that I liked in the beginning, like just so people could hear it. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned S1, that's a homie. Like mm-hmm. I sent him, I always send him my packs because he always, you know, he shows love and, and, you know, reps for it. Um, and his shit's fucking dope too. Um, but you know, I send my stuff to, to dope producers that I like. And so they start using it. That's how I kind of, got the word out with drums and knock in the beginning that's like a value thing though it's not yeah. like you annoying somebody no. with your sound cloud no, no 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 it's it's um and it's people i had a relationship with mm-hmm. not people i didn't know like i wasn't just cold messaging people like here's a here buy my sample pack or i wasn't even sending it to people unless i knew them or i knew they would have value like mm-hmm. value what i was sending them. and straight up the podcast has been the easiest dude I don't know what it is about this stupid wow. format of a fucking table and some mics and the but, conversation. But, yeah, but people, people, people really like coming out. They love. Everybody loves getting wow. interviewed. Everybody, because I think cause, you should do one, man. Because this is about this is I've about, about <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is about the guests, not about us. Yeah. Right. Like if you think about it, like we're, we shut the fuck up half the time. You see what I'm right. saying? But like, because people like to talk about themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's and a so pro- you're giving like me a chance to talk about myself. Yeah, so you and get so a cool product. You get a product almost like, hey, here's yeah. your product, your episode. You got this. We're gonna promote it. You know. Right. But like that has has literally brought so many people in. Who, Would you say like there's anything, anything about it that's been difficult, or has it been just all easy? The initial all setup flowing? was difficult because I had to learn like how to do all this because right. we don't have a video production guy so somebody's got to do it but Pro- oh, um, once we got it set up it was easy there's one there's one thing um it was actually based on releasing yeah um kind of just trying to stick to a schedule really helped us but like, i right. feel Monday, like you want to have Thursday. you probably want to have a, a problem with that if you get a schedule going it's super easy we just have a lot going on so we constantly were like being pulled <laughs> around but fuck it we're like every Monday just put it out even if we don't have time to promote it just let it organically go right that that helped out a lot how much content you get for the time you put in is fucking amazing though it's like come talk for 45 minutes and then you get 10 micro clips you can post on instagram right uh, on you can post the micros on youtube you can post a full episode uh, post on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. So it's awesome. And a lot of content. The best part is, is that people know DCAP, but they don't really know DCAP till they right. watch this. Right. They didn't really yeah. know DCAP. I mean, I was trying true. to find interviews of you, and I couldn't find a ton of random stuff on YouTube. But there's a ton of people out there that don't have a lot of published interviews or anything. Well, you this know? is one of my favorite ones I've done. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. man. That's yeah, awesome to hear. Awesome. Yeah. We try to keep it pretty relaxed, where you can just go out, take a piss if you need to, whatever. <laughs> I got a story smoke, smoke to tell too about this. Like I, I um, so I have been planning a single release, right, mm-hmm. for for this Friday. Like that's been planned for a while, mm-hmm. and I was working on it, and I w- and we had just talked about, you know, I, I'm coming out to Atlanta, I'm doing some stuff out here, and why don't you get in the podcast and and. I realized like on Saturday night, it was Saturday night and I was working on the single and I realized that I haven't dropped an EP in a while. So I think I'm going to make this into an EP. So I took that one track and I made it into three. So I'm dropping an EP this Friday. <coughs> so it's kind of like good timing with this that I'm Yeah, definitely. I, I got an idea for you. Yeah. Uh, take, every single, <coughs> take every single sound 
and try to drop like a free set of sounds that goes with your EP that are all mm. sounds from it. You could even host a contest with it or something to help Especially push it. Really At bare minimum, stuff? do a free pack with that to help push the If you do one free stuff, three it would pack. change your life, yeah, man. For free, free stuff will change your life. That's what Steven's been talking about, man. My it's sister, I've been telling her she should do, she does like these journaling kits and she does paid stuff only. And I was like, if you drop free stuff, uh, it will get you so many more customers. She's like, won't they just get the free stuff? I'm like, no, that's no. not how it works. It brings wow. in so well, many more people. Also, think about this. You can do workshops and put as, as free workshops or something like that, like thing breakdowns, you got to put in your email to get a little mixing course. I don't do the same shit. That's dope. You know? Yeah. Anything that's just extra value for free. Right. It's really good for people. Speaking yeah. of which, we got to try free events too. I want to try yeah, free events. Right. Same, same idea. You know, a little bit more cost, but the problem, the problem is, is that you end up having a fucking tan shit show. <laughs> people show up and, we and can... droves like fucking, there's like 2000 producers outside and the LA heat ambulance wow. is being called. That's what happened. Did you see that? Tana Mongo or whatever. Mojo, wow. whatever her name is. She did that event Tana. in LA. Yeah. Tanacon. And she had like so many people show up and. Uh, it was at like a hotel, so like a conference oh, space, wow. and there's just tons of people all over the place, and That's they had to wild. call ambulances for people because they're having heat strokes outside. <laughs> How and do you shit. manage that? Oh, you, you don't. don't. You, you don't. It was a nightmare. It was a publicity nightmare. I mean, that's why you don't oh. keep selling the shit out of tickets. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'd have to like cut off the ticket. The free I mean, tickets. No, point. you could at least still run it through something, or say fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. We just have a. We just had to get a huge place. Yeah. I want to do a, a nom, our own nom or nam. Yeah, however the fuck it's that'd be perfect. That would be fucking awesome, yeah. man. I think it'd be fun, and a bunch of wow. other brands get involved. Yeah, have a decap booth. Yeah, decap booth. <laughs> the knock booth. The, the knock, knock booth. booth. You got, All right, you got uh, knock to come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Open the door, and then you're in there. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> get literally home knock. Yeah, you gotta, knock knock. We should wrap this up. I gotta get home soon. Yeah, we can just wrap it up. Yeah. You wanna you wanna give some plugs? To what people should go check out, man. Um, you know, follow me on all the social media. It's at Decap Music. Um, definitely, by the time this comes out, my EP will be out. It's called One Two Three. It's a. Uh, um, it's just three tracks, and I have. I worked with uh, Golden Child, Ogosh Leotis, and The Count. Um, three really dope upcoming producers. Um, it's banging. Check it out. Stream it whatever um follow me on youtube for uh tutorials and uh music and um that's it yeah and we got a workshop coming out where you broke down one of your tracks that's right yeah we got a oh yeah so we have a workshop coming out with cymatics and it's um it's uh track three off the ep it's oh, called sweet. three so i broke that down it's uh <coughs> produced by me and the count it's, so a, it's a banger i can't wait to check that it's out. a banger yeah cool all right that's a wrap we'll play you guys the ep too yeah that was yeah. sweet